Hello and welcome along to the PPW pod, bringing you news, views and interviews from the real estate marketplace and prop tech industry. You can find us on YouTube, on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Uh, we're very new on all of those platforms, so any likes, subscribes or comments are very much appreciated. My name is Edmund Keith. I'm the editor of Online Marketplaces. Uh, Harvey is off today, but joining me for this bonus episode is Online Marketplaces chairman, and industry veteran, Simon Baker. Simon, how are you doing? Very well, Ed. Thank you very much for um, putting this on and uh, allowing us to chat about search, one of my favorite topics. Yeah, today's episode is all about the future of real estate search. And um, well, I know it's a topic you're very interested in, and uh, it's one that I recently pub uh, published a long analysis article uh, on online marketplaces about. So um, anybody watching or listening, go check that out. First, before we get into what I know you're very keen to talk about, which is search versus tell, let's kind of recap what what it is that portals do at the moment when you try to discover a new real estate listing. So what has the paradigm been up till now? Yeah, a, a great place to start. It really doesn't matter what property portal or, or, or real estate marketplace you go to around the world. The, the experience is pretty much the same. You go in, they say, um, give me a suburb, give me a postcode, zip code, etc. And then they start pushing results at you. Okay, then you've got some filters that you apply, maybe you know the price range, etc. And that's the experience. The experience is it's quite a poor experience when you think about it. And is you know, why why do we have that? Well, if you think about the birth of portals and marketplaces is they all started because the marketplaces did the job of aggregation. They ran around the uh, internet, they went to all the agents or the developers or the brokers and said, give me your listings, which you could, couldn't find anywhere else. So they did that job very well. But then they said, great, now you're a consumer, you've got the, you can come to me as the portal and you will search through everything. Okay, and you can do the work. Fantastic, you know, enjoy the experience. That's great when you go from a newspaper type experience to a portal type experience. But that was 20 years ago. We're now here in, you know, 2024, and we want to have a very different experience. We want to get much closer to what the consumer wants. We want to give them the answers that they're really looking for. And we want to, as a portal, be relevant in their search context. So that's why where we start today, which is quite a, I think a very poor user experience. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that real estate marketplaces, and we will use the word real estate marketplaces, uh, or try and use the word real estate marketplaces rather than portal when we're talking about a next generation, because that does seem to be the nomenclature of the future. Um, what are real estate marketplaces trying to do to get to that next step? Yeah. So. So the next step is all about saying, hey, Ed, thanks for coming to the site. I know something about you. I know something about you because of what you've done before. So your, how you've interacted with me before, you know, what you've searched on, the properties you've looked at, the, uh, the ones you've dwelled on. So you've spent a lot of time looking at the three bedroom, two bathroom apartments and you skipped over the freestanding houses. So I, I sort of get an understanding about what you do. I've then got to marry that together with who you are, right? 
Are you a 55, 60 year old person who's retiring, downsizing, kids have left? Are you a someone who has, you know, entering the the uh, first home buyers market? You know, who who are you, and what's your capacity to actually uh, buy a property? So it's by understanding that I can then start to personalize the experience, which to me is the next really interesting step for marketplaces is to go from the, I'm just going to give you the search results in the order that I'm going to give them to you, to one that personalizes the experience. So I think really kind of broadly speaking right now, there are two ways that marketplaces seems to be doing this. They're going down either the direct questioning route where they will bring up several screens before you even see any listings, they will ask you five or six questions uh, to gauge who you are, right? So there's some good examples, um, apartment list in the United States um, and search smartly, which is um, the example I used in the, in the article where you can't see any listings until you've answered their questions. Um, I find this a little bit annoying, I've got to be honest. What's your thoughts on, on this way of doing things? Uh, look, I, I, as much as I want to disagree, I have to agree with you because I think anything that you do that makes that consumer experience, um, the more, think about it this way, consumers are time poor. And so if they have to wait between the idea in their head, I want to search for something and getting to the answer, and they've got to jump through a lot of hoops, do a lot of searching, do a lot of refining, you're going to lose them lose people along the way and if you lose people along the way that's one less chance to get a lead which means one ch one less chance to give results to the advertiser therefore clearly putting roadblocks in front of someone is probably not the smartest way of doing it however just to be contrarian it's great for the portal because it's forcing in this case you ed going to apartments list or wherever to tell them more about you as an individual. So they're qualifying you. Yeah. Now, the, 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 that's good if they want to show you what you want, but if they determine you're not a good fit, so if they determine you're not a good fit, do they give you worse service? Also, the other kind of question I have with this way of doing things is, I would imagine they have a limit of how many questions they want you to answer just because, you know, for user experience reasons. How do they know that they're asking the right questions? Um, I think, yeah, where you want to live, yeah, fine. But how, you know, how specific do you want to get? Number of bathrooms and number of bedrooms and then, I don't know, amenities you want to be near. There's a lot of other things that go into, you know, your desires in a new home, right? I agree. I mean, and, and, and there are, you know, you, it, it's these, these sort of ticker box, interfielded type questions is very hard to put the right ones in front of someone to help them refine the search. And if it was me, I'd take a different approach. I would probably take the approach of, you ask them, you just say, you gotta start that search, give them results, and then allowing them to filter. No different to me going to a kayak, searching for a flight. I put my flight going from my origin to destination, the date, and then I start get results. And then I filter it, now I want, no more than one stop, or I don't want to spend this much, or I don't want to go from this airport, and so on. To me, it needs to be really handled in that same way. And that filtering mechanism needs to be easy 
to understand. Now, the problem with filtering mechanisms, it's based on the data that's in the listing. And of course, if the data in the listing is only touching on the obvious things like how much you got to spend, the suburb you want to live and how many beds and baths, it's sort of not getting to what you were talking about before, which is age and stage of life, other experiences near a park, um, I like to swim, I like to bike ride, I want to be near a mountain, or so on, right? They're the things that fielded type search and this sort of um, first attempts at personalization are very, very clunky at doing. Yeah, we will get on to uh, your point there about not necessarily capturing all the data probably properly because um it's you know it's something that i feel quite strongly about which we'll get to the other way that real estate portals at the moment seem to be going down this route is instead of coming out and openly asking you your preferences they will use um, pretty clever algorithms to infer your preferences so um, i know for example realestate.com.au does this uh, i think property guru does this in southeast asia or I'll be honest with you, they probably all do it to some extent, but those are just the ones that have told the market what they're doing. Um, if you dwell, if you spend more time on listings that have a balcony, they will infer that you like balconies um, in its simplest form, right? Now, to me, this seems like the way to go. It's You're not trying to change any kind of user behavior, um, but I would also imagine that this is quite difficult to do. Firstly, you probably need quite clever tech people to do this. And I would also imagine there are limits to what you can capture from each user if they're not logged in. Would would that be right? Well, cookies. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I was you know, trawling through my 1.5 gigabytes worth of cookies I found in my wow. in my and and so clearly a lot of data is being captured by me and being shared by me with various websites that that I've been on. And I think you know through cooking of the user you can start to get a really good idea of what they're doing. And then clearly two sides of the equation, what's stored on your computer and also what's stored via cookies on the um, marketplaces servers. So they can then start to customize. And, and clearly over time, they're going to tag you. They're going to try to get you to um, engage more, maybe sign up for an email alert or something. That gives them more information about you as, as the individual. I do like the this sort of inferring approach because it's less intrusive and more about just really watching you and what you're doing. But it still doesn't answer that question about, you know, can you afford this anyway? Maybe you're stretching yourself. Maybe it doesn't, it doesn't understand that, oh yeah, I've got to sell a house, by the way, before I can do buy the next one. And so there's a bunch of things that it doesn't uh, identify about you when it's all about the quality of the lead that is generated going to the agent. We will be back very shortly with more about the future of real estate search after a very quick message about something we're doing differently at Property Portal Watch Bangkok this year. So Simon, coming up at Property Portal Watch in just about six weeks time, we have something new and exciting which we've not done before, right? Could you tell us all about the startup day? Sure. So the day before the conference on the 12th of uh, March, we're running the startup day. And the startup day is designed to help startups um, in the uh, prop tech industry really get 
get a great feel of what it takes to make their business um, fantastic. So we will cover everything from how to write a good business plan, how to pitch the business plan, um, how to raise money, um, what investors are looking for, what they're not looking for. Uh, we'll also talk about um, in, when it comes to operations, how to, how to think about picking a good team to work with you, how to focus on what really matters in your business and not get distracted by the, the bright, shiny lights that come along as you build businesses. Um, and so on. And, and this is going to be a, a, a very interactive, workshop-driven day. It's going to be presented by Fusion 4 Ventures, of which I am part of, um, and also by PropTech Farm. So you're going to have uh, four or five seasoned um, and ex very experienced uh, entrepreneurs and investors you know, running this session for the day. It is an add-on to the conference. So if you are a startup, it's free. Coming to the conference, you get the startup day for free. And if you're not a startup, but you want to come anyway, it's just an add-on for uh, $299. So uh, I hope you can join us on the 12th in Bangkok for the uh, PPW Bangkok Startup Day, followed by the main conference on the 13th and 14th, where we're talking about next generation prop tech and marketplaces. So we've established that Basically, there's two ways that real estate portals can get to know you, the user, a little bit better. They can ask you a direct question or probably more likely they can infer what you like from behavioral data. Right now, I imagine this data is really pretty valuable. Um, I actually read about a specialist company that sells this kind of data to lots and lots of different companies out there. Is this something that real estate portals do themselves? I imagine there are certain restrictions on the user data they can and can't sell, right? Yeah, so, so first of all, we're talking about, you know, they're really watching what you do on the site. You know, the properties you're looking at, where you spend, you know, you, where you dwell a lot of time on, um, you know, the, the types of, um, uh, filtering that you may do in that whole search process. And they're building a profile of you. They're trying to work out, are you a retiree looking to downsize? Are you a first-home buyer or something in between? And with that data, um, if they can connect it to a name, because remember, you're an IP address to them. So if I can go, oh, this is Ed, right? So, and by the way, Ed lives in Madrid and Ed's doing this and Ed's doing that you then become a very valuable piece of data. Now, depending on where you are in the world, depends on what you can probably do with that data. And I'm no lawyer, just to be clear, I'm no lawyer. You're not and, a lawyer, but you did used to run one of these companies. So hopefully you do know whether you can sell it or not. Well, the, the, the answer is maybe, okay? Now, if you're in Europe with GDPR and massive amounts of restrictions, I wouldn't go anywhere near it because the, the upside from selling it versus the downside from getting it wrong, it's just not that the, the equation doesn't work out. What I would rather be doing is how do I use that profiling data to provide higher quality leads to my customers? And if I can provide higher quality leads to my customers, I can put my prices up and charge more for the overall experience. So I think that's probably where the real value is rather than making a few extra bucks on the side by selling it to a third party who may package it up to send to you know, Amazon or Google or whatever, right, for them to have a better profile of Ed, the consumer, versus Ed, the property hunter. 
Okay. Um, on that theme, I remember covering Right Moves Capital Markets Day a few months ago, and I think it was their CEO mentioned that. So they've got this new product where um, they basically get consumers to apply for what what's called a mortgage in principle online, right? So they get consumers to fill in all these forms to basically understand what they can and can't afford. And he said that a user who has filled in one of these forms and got a mortgage in principle is something like 40 times more valuable as a lead than a regular consumer. And I think increasingly it makes sense for real estate portals to try and get this data, to try and have users search with non-traditional um, parameters such as what they can afford or where they can commute to, right? Um, it would make sense. Yes, I think I think this whole process of discovery, if you think about it, you, you when you use a uh, marketplace to search, you're limited by what you know. I know these suburbs, I know these types of properties, I know what I can afford. But you have blind spots. There are just areas of a city or a region um, that you just don't know about. And what discovery is all about is helping you say, well, if I if my requirements are I've got a family, I need to be near parks, um, I've got this sort of amount to spend, and I'm happy to commute 30 minutes each way to my office if I have to if I work in an office. Um, tell me where I could live. Okay, so it's really asking a different question of the marketplace rather than saying what's what's for sale in suburb X. Okay, and it's yeah. just changing the dynamics of that interaction. What's interesting a little bit for me is these, and we'll call them non-traditional search parameters, right? So commute times and uh, mortgage affordability. Um, they don't, they seem to exist, but it seems like real estate porters are quite unsure of them. So to take an example, um, Travel Time is a company we've worked with. Uh, we like what they do. They basically, um, give real estate portals the tools to allow their users to search by how far they want to commute every day, right? But we we actually did a study. We looked through, I think, something like 700 real estate portals around the world, and this kind of technology is still only in about 3% of real estate marketplaces around the world. And actually, on those 3% of marketplaces, it's usually hidden, you know, what you have to scroll right the way down to find it, right? Um, and the other interesting way of searching is searching by mortgage. Now, I, I think this is something that Zillow tried in like 2018. Um, and there are people out there. There's actually a guy um, I spoke to recently um, named Patrick Neely, who's built a tool that basically lets you search by affordability. But it's not out there. We don't see it on portals. Um, why do you think that is? Is it just a kind of, are they waiting waiting to see whether it's worth doing or they want to do it in-house? Money, 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 money. Let's think about the model, right? So these portals around the marketplaces around the world have built a model. The model is pay to list in some format, either a subscription or a, um, a per property type price to an agent or a broker to put their listings on the portal. Then you pay another fee on top to upgrade, to go to the top of the search, to the you know, a bigger ad on the first page, and so on. 
in a, in, a, in a model where the consumer just gives you a suburb and maybe a price range, and then you display results, this is perfect for that model. But the more I refine my outcome, before I get actually to answer your question, you know, I'm looking for this, this, and this, it's much harder to put the premium type properties in front of you as the searcher. Now, if you're not putting the premium properties in front of the searcher, because the search is really looking for properties that would normally be on pages three, four, or five, just because of the nature of the search, monetization becomes harder. So the more I actually answer your question, the harder it is for me as a portal to make money based on the model that's been ingrained over a 20 to 25 year period of time. Okay, That's probably at the core of what it really is. Because if, if I understand you, Ed, being, you know, uh, this age bracket, this amount of salary, this is what your affordability is, this is what you're doing, and I'm selling that as a lead. And by the way, as you said in the right move example, um, you've you're filled out all these forms, so you're 40 times more valuable as a lead. I have to educate now the advertiser to change what they're paying for. Instead of paying to put the property online or paying extra to go to the top, which is sort of easy because I go, they do it on Google, you're doing it on my site, it's an easy comparison. I say, no, I've got uh, Ed as a lead and Ed is an A-star lead, okay? So you should pay $100 for Ed, Ed's details. And then there's another person, we'll call him Graham, who's gone to the site, been a tire kicker. We know that he's not really that, at that moment, he's going to buy. So he's really a C-quality lead. So for that lead, you should pay $20. What would you do as the buyer? You're only going to buy the A-star and the A, maybe even a B lead. You're never going to touch the other leads. So the volume of leads would decrease, even though the quality goes up. Okay. But if I, as the agent or the broker, are poor at taking that, taking you as a lead and converting you, I'm not going to blame myself. I'm going to blame the portal. So portals are working on the law of big numbers. 10 million people came to the website last month. 5 million leads were generated. You as an agent or a broker got 1,000 leads. I've done my job. You've paid me. Fantastic. The more work I do to meet the requirements of the advertiser, the, in theory, the less leads I'm going to send, so the, the, the requirements of the, the searcher, the less leads I'm going to send. Because why would I send a lead of a tire kicker who's stuffing around to say, oh, show me more pictures, but they're never, they're never going to buy because I've already worked out that they look everything from $30 million mansions to $300,000 houses in six different cities. That's the real core. That's the real problem, is how do you really improve the consumer search experience, personalize it, and help them discover things they've never thought about before, at the same time, deliver results back to the person who's paying you. Okay, I'm going to change the question. Um, you said it's hard to think of how. I'm going to say why. Why bother? So. 
We've established, and I completely take your logic, that the more you go from search to tell as a real estate marketplace, the less you can charge or the less the model of showing premium listings works just fundamentally, right? And it seems to me that users of real estate marketplaces are quite happy to do the searching. It's a pleasurable experience. People like searching for a new home. Why would, why would the marketplace bother telling them what they want if they're going to make less money and the user is happy to search anyway? Yeah, they won't. Right? That's why you're finding that you know, 3% have got these travel type discovery tools. That's the core problem. You're saying they won't, but I know that in your Property Portal Watch Madrid presentation, something your words were something like, we have to do this. Oh, yeah, we should. This is the thing we have to do. Yeah, but th there's a difference between what people will do. It's like that. Let's go back in time to the world of print, right? Newspapers wanted to absolutely stop the Internet because it was killing print. Refining it from search to far more personalized um, and far more um, customized outcomes will inflict damage on the existing portals and their business models. But, but if I um, change my model and I change my model from one where I am just selling leads to um, or, or, or you're giving leads because they're paying just for advertising and they get a volume of leads to one where I'm selling leads to actually one where I'm executing the leads. Then it becomes a very important model because me knowing that Ed is an A-star person who's looking to buy in the next three months, who's got the money, got the financing. Well, if I also had the transaction engine built into me as a marketplace, then I'm not competing for the advertising dollar, I'm competing for the commission, which is probably 10 times the amount of the advertising dollar. In fact, probably more, 10 to 20 times the amount. Okay. Now, that is a more exciting business model. It's also a more to... controversial business model. Um, so what we're advocating here is real estate marketplaces getting into the transaction. Now, yes. I know it's something you've spoken about many, many times before. For many years, by the way, for many years. For many years, for many years. But it doesn't seem to be happening. At it least not in mature markets. Ah, and there's the difference, right? So if you go to the developing markets, um, the, you know, Southeast Asia or Asia in general, when you've got everything from square yards to whatever GIIQI is doing and so on, right through to Latin American markets, in those markets, the portals and the transaction engine have come together. I mean, look at GUI, IQI in um, Asia. GUI was a portal. IQI was a transaction. They were a brokerage. They came together. Now they're doing you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of transactions and sourcing them at a lower cost. Then you go to something recently, more recently, where... Um, uh, Life or Connect, which owns Dot Property, in which is a um, marketplace in uh, Thailand, um, acquired Fuzzwas, which was the transaction engine, put the two together. Why? And there's a fundamental reason why. Because in the mature markets, um, agents, you, know, you can be the REAs and the right moves of the world and, and capture 
thousands of dollars per office for advertising. You go to the emerging markets where there's no um, exclusive transactions, where the agents are, um, uh, they're not, they're not, it's not like a, a, a certification. Anyone can be an agent. Um, they're getting tens of dollars per listing. It's not a viable business model. So through necessity, they're going to that end of putting the transaction engine with the marketplace. And that is where I think the future has to go. The question is, can it go that direction in the established markets? And uh, and we'll forget about the US and the, and, 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 and the um, MLSs of the world. The answer is, it should over time. And it probably is. And it's probably happening at the primary listing, so the, the new developments segment of the market. And it's probably happening where the portal is sharing in the commission with the developer or the portal is sharing in the commission with a project marketer. And that's the step, right? That's a stepping stone into participating in the transaction. So, no, it, I think it is happening. This may not be happening in the markets that we all you know, look at and aspire to where it's in Australia or um, yeah, Europe, but it is happening. And if you think about progress over time, and this is less evolutionary and more, um, so, sorry, less revolutionary and more evolutionary, is that you'll start to see the evolving of these sort of models um, where, they, where, where portals with front-end traffic are participating in the transaction. And I think we've got an interview coming up in, in uh in the next uh, few weeks with, uh, uh, I think it's Mark from Snow Only, right? And they're doing that. They're sharing the commission. They are the front-end portal. They are working with the agents, and they are sharing in the commission. Well, isn't that a transaction model at the end of the day? They just don't own the agents. The agents don't work directly for them, but they work with the agents to share in the commission. And that's where you need to go from as you as you take the millions of people who visit your site and you're filtering them all and working out that the 500 leads or the 5,000 leads or whatever the number is that you're generating every month, that really only 10% are super valuable. Either A, you're, you're not maximizing the return from the super valuable and you're over maximizing the return from the less valuable because you take the straight advertising model, or you find a way to maximize the return from the super valuable and you nurture the less valuable until they become valuable in the process. Okay. Um, I want to go from what I think is probably your favorite topic, getting into the transaction, back to my pet topic for a minute, which is being a bit grumpy about the state of the industry. Um, so... I tend to think that all of this talk about the future of search is like way ahead of where we're at now. Um, as somebody, and this is a, a very strange thing to brag about, but as somebody who probably looks through more real estate marketplace websites than anybody else on the planet for all these studies that we do every year, I can tell you that all of this talk um, is happening in a tiny percentage of the websites that exist out there, right? And kind of what is the point of us talking about this when, and I'm going to use another example that I've used before, my local market leading real estate portal, Idealista, 
can't even show me the apartments that do or do not have an oven, right? I just, I tend to think that a lot of this talk is really premature when real estate marketplaces don't properly identify or tag uh, features or just data, yeah, things in their metadata, right? Yeah. Uh, but this is, but I, but, but I think, I think that the, the inherent skepticism, which is great, about it um i think the use of ai is, is really starting to change change that in, in a number of ways one is um if, if an agent doesn't enter that there is a an oven in um the uh, uh in in the apartment right you can't find it with a search but through ai and the interrogation of pictures it's now picking up all this extra data so when you use AI, AI is now starting to become layers on top. And we're still, everyone's still playing around with it, trying to work out how best. Yeah, and part of my frustration with this is that people seem to be playing around with the search rather than the metadata. They seem to be thinking, oh, actually, it's really important for us to build natural language search or voice search rather than it's really important for us to actually make sure that every single possible field that we could possibly think of is tagged on this listing and then build the search on, you know, the detailed, nuanced, natural language search on top. Yep. But just remember, if, if I was to teleport myself back to 1998, okay, yeah, yeah. and, and, and you're, you're, you're a bit of an internet junkie, but you're very one of the few of them there, and you'd be really frustrated at the level of listings that are online and the volume of listings online. Okay. And then, uh, but then it took about a decade to really get, real estate um, digitized. So there's this balance between um, impatience, because we all want what we can dream of yesterday. You can think about it. And the second is, is the technology there to do it? Well, the answer is with AI, it is. It's there, they can interrogate pictures. Go, oh yeah, that's that's got a blue wall and you can, and it's got an oven and it's got this and it's got that. And then the question is, how do how do portals choose to or marketplaces choose to overlay that AI and use it? Is it just to allow people to interact and it really is just taking that the, the text-based conversation and putting it into a fielded-based search? Or is it doing something more intelligent behind it? But then people will start to put meta-search on top, like what Machuli used to do at the end of the day. It will look at all the listings in a market, use AI, look at all the listings, it'll interrogate the listings, say, oh, there's, a, there's an oven here. Yeah, Ed wants oven. Well, here on Idealista, there are five properties with ovens, and here on uh, Photocasa, there's another 10 listings, and so on. There'll be meta search sitting on the top. And so that'll then push at speed portals to change what happens. It's nothing like a bit of, a bit of um, pressure on top okay. of portals. I want to end on a question which uh, has just come up to me in the course of our conversation. So we said that for real estate portals in, especially in mature markets that have this business model of showing premium listings, they probably aren't really that interested in taking search to the ne next level at any kind of rapid pace, right? They don't necessarily want to integrate travel time that quickly or whatever. And then we said that, okay, Maybe uh, in developing markets where we've got more transactional based business models, 
do you think they will try and change how users search a bit quicker? Do you think we'll, we'll see the next generation of real estate search in a developing market? Oh, I think you can. I mean, I think you'll find there'll be more experimentation um, driven by, by a couple of things. One is, you know, an, an underlying advertising driven business model that doesn't pay the bills. So you've got to do something different. Uh, and secondly, uh, hunger within the team. And there's a lot of money that's floating around in these emerging markets in terms of people who are you know, experimenting with business models, which is why we hold the, the Asia-Pacific um, PPW conference, is we want to look at what people are doing. We want people to share their ideas and thoughts about how they're addressing these opportunities in their markets. Okay, And I think that's where you'll start to see a lot of really interesting emerging technology. Now, if you're someone like a uh, travel time and you've identified, you know, built some very good technology and very interesting technology and you want to sell it to a marketplace, you're going to go and sell it to the people in Europe, UK, US, because they've got the capacity to pay for it and pay the amount of money you want for it. But the people who are most likely to use it are the ones who are in the other markets where so the, these these businesses such as travel time and proptex and so on have got great ai driven technology have to find innovative business models that are about partnering maybe sharing of revenue sharing of transaction based revenue in those markets so i think you'll see a lot of innovation in the emerging markets um, because i just think they're hungrier Okay, Simon, this is something I'm sure that you and I could go on speaking about for another couple of hours, but we're going to end it there. Um, we'll save any other thoughts we have for another later podcast. Uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts, sharing your time, and um, until next week. Fantastic. Thanks, Ed. Have a great day.